1: Before we start the show, I gotta give you guys the inside scoop on the best electrician in town. That's right, it is Piper Electric. They've been around for over 35 years and they're also the most fairly priced, dependable, and trustworthy electrical contracting companies in the Denver community. Best part is if you call 202-646-6765 Piper Electric will hook you up with the DNVR back to school special and you will save 20% off your next service call. No job is too big or too small, so don't forget to call our friends over at Piper Electric. Let's start the show.
0: Nobody out.
2: Three and two on charlotte Jokic gets it across the timeline. Gets a high pick and pop with Murray. Lindsey breaking through. Taken away by Nathan McKinnon. Two-on-two two landis Guy.
0: He has done it again. Vaughn Miller, ladies and gentlemen. Dumped two hands, Nicole
3: Jokic. Save me by Krubauer with the left pad. Oh, goodness gracious me.
0: Story. Touchdown to a man.
1: Welcome into the Denver Sports Podcast, presented by the one and only Breckenridge Brewery. And I got to tell you guys about this awesome event coming up—Never Summer's Opening Day Celebration at Punch Bowl Social, November 9th. Breckenridge Brewery is teaming up with them, and according to their website, they're saying, "Never November brings winter, and winter brings snow, and here in the Rockies, snow brings speed, adrenaline, and a damn good time. And we all love damn good beers and a damn good time. And so." be sure to check out that event it is on the breckbrew.com website if you want to learn more they give away awesome snowboards and it's just a fun night to go party so be sure to check that out it is never summer's opening day celebration at Punchbowl november 9th
2: and i believe that opening day that they're referencing would be uh for skiing and snowboarding is that is that right I I
1: don't think it is baseball opening day. <laughs> well, but Drew just got that, really
0: excited. Yeah, I was like, that. "What? No, <laughs> that's not right. That's not right."
1: No one's drinking. Oh no, you have a Breck Brew open. Rudo's.
3: Oh yeah. I don't think I've been in this office when Rudo has not had a beer <laughs> in his hand. <laughs> uh, Pretty <laughs> accurate. <laughs> yeah, so that's true. Always
4: beer. in I have. I have a good excuse for the ABS to drink this week. So. <laughs>
1: well. All right, well, with well that, things have changed we we should, rather quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I've got Rudo here, Ryan Konigsberg, Harrison Wind, Drew Kreisman, Andre Simone on the board, and Super Weather Reporter intern Kale on the live. Let's just jump right in and talk about why why you're drinking. Yeah. Why you're sad, Rudo. <laughs>
4: um, not exactly clear what happened yet. I. I suspect it will never be truly <laughs> clear what actually happened. I love but, unsolved conspiracy. Conspiracy. yeah. At, oh, that was one of the yeah. greatest shows of all time for us, yes, like <laughs> objectively. <laughs> well, bring it back and we can investigate how Landis now has a lower body injury that's keeping him out indefinitely. Um, really weird. Nobody knows he was seen on Instagram, you know, partying at the Avs Halloween party thing and hmm. looked just fine. And then next thing we know he's out and it sounds like it's going to be longer than week to week like Ranton and is ban halloween parties forever. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I don't I don't know how this team keeps getting injured off the ice, but they seem to have a knack for it. Tyson Berry did it a couple of years ago as well, wrestling in a hotel
3: room. Mm-hmm. So some pretty as interesting one things. does go on. <laughs> yeah, I got to say regardless of what these injuries are, the fact that NHL teams don't have to say what the specific injury yeah. is, nor do they have to say like how long they expect them to be out or anything like that is absolutely ridiculous. It is. It, it like, what really, are we even doing here? It
4: really <laughs> bugs me that Jared Bednar can walk up like three days after the injury has happened to be like, well, I still haven't really talked to the trainers. Yeah, Right. We'll <laughs> see. right.
3: And it's like, come on, man! You know. Although I have always said, and this applies in the NBA too, the fact that the coaches are this um, like spokesperson for team injuries is kind of ridiculous in its own right. It is. Like, how do we expect these guys to really talk, like, in, like scientifically about these injuries? It's a bit much, I think.
1: You you would know as Doctor Harrison on the <laughs> oh, NBA show yeah. and all of our Nuggets previews. Like, I feel like
3: the team doctor should. At right least put just have them a statement come out and just and refer to that statement. The fact that the coach have to answer questions about injuries is a little weird to me still. It, but, but the
2: organization is. like is always afraid of putting more people in the public eye, you know? Yeah. Like they just want to have as few voices right. out there as possible because then no one can say something that goes against the company line. Yeah.
3: I think it just should be a statement from the team medical staff and everything you just refer back to the statement. I don't think that would complicate things. That's a great idea.
2: Yeah. And then Thank, thank you. <laughs> yeah,
4: so not only is Landis Gog out for a long term it seems like then during practice the next day, Colin Wilson left the ice early and following it was immediately ruled out for tonight's game at least and potentially more. So the Avs lose two forwards in the matter of 48 hours ranting and actually the prognosis is looking good on him, but he's still at least a couple games away. So they went from having 14 forwards to having 11 over the weekend, basically, mm-hmm. and they ended up calling up Jason Magna, which is fine. I I'm probably not the player I would have picked, but he certainly has earned his opportunity. And I don't. The lineup is going to be an absolute mess tonight. I have no idea what to expect. Everyone's going to play with everyone. McKinnon's probably going to play like 30 minutes, just nice. care and try and carry the team because that's what they're going to need.
1: Do you think it'll start off with Kadri and Donskoy on that first line with McKinnon?
4: I think Kadri for sure, mm-hmm. just makes sense. They've played very well together on the power play. They're already clicking a bit, and he's just the most offensively talented player left on the team. Uh, Donskoy and Burakovsky is kind of a toss-up. Pick one, throw mm-hmm. it on there. It wouldn't surprise me to see everyone rotate through kind of like they did with Com for the other game. The second line, I have honestly no idea what to expect. Uh, Jost will probably become the 2C, and then the Wings will... Who knows?
1: So how do you think they'll play tonight against the Florida Panthers? They beat them once.
4: They did. Um, On the road. Florida is an interesting team because they have a lot of offensive firepower, but I've never really believed in their defense a ton. They have Aaron Ekblad, who first overall pick has never quite become what everyone hoped he would. So... I expect a decent game, a competitive game, but it's just all going to come down to McKinnon. If McKinnon goes beast mode and puts up two, three goals, the Avs will win. If McKinnon has been the player that he's been so far this season where he'll get his point but not really heavy impact,
2: it's going to be tough. I think the Avs are going to play really well tonight. That's my... uh That's my prediction here.
4: Look, it could go that way. That does happen, especially in hockey where they lose a bunch Mm -hmm. of players and everyone just comes in and plays super loose and doesn't worry about it and they, they end up dominating the first game. But if Rantanen was back, I think I would have a lot more faith in that happening. McKinnon playing with two wingers that... He has not played much with. He's. We've already seen in preseason, if it's Burakovsky, he does not trust him on his wing. He's not super willing to feed him the puck. And the depth scoring is going to take a big hit. You lose three forwards. They're all three wingers, so it's a little bit awkward. But it essentially just moves everyone up a line. And that makes the competition they have to play against significantly tougher, and it's it's really hard to produce in that scenario.
1: Well, some good news: Miko Rantanen was on the ice yesterday, skating around. So that's something. He's it is. still unavailable, but
4: I yeah, I, you know, if this was Game 82 and playoff. You win and you make the playoffs, I'm sure Randon would be playing. Mm -hmm. Not 100% by any means, and there's no reason for the Avs to rush him. They have that cushion they've gotten in the early part of the season. Let him get back to where he's ready to play fully, and then he can step back in and and start helping the team again. And look, the Avs' depth is decent this year. It's good enough that you're not looking at all of these injuries and going, okay, well, the next five games are automatic losses. They still should be in them. You would like to see them win the home games at least. If they can go 500 by taking the games at home, they'll be okay. So
2: they're 8-3-1 eight, eight, right now? 8-2-1. 8-2-1, okay. At what point, like where do they have to get before you're going to start panicking?
4: Um, they If they rattle off a losing streak of four or five in a row, once they start approaching 500 again, that's when you really start to worry um
2: it, i again so that I, I mean but that shows you just how big this cushion they have yeah is. It's no like, it's massive they should be able to you know get some puck luck in a game and exactly and win a
4: couple of these exactly they don't have to be great if they can just hang around 500 and keep this bit of a cushion that they have they'll be all right and then ranton will come back then you need to take another step wilson probably not going to be out long term take another small step We'll see with Landis Gog, they might just have to manage that for the rest of the season. I don't know.
2: Do you have any prediction on that? Like I
4: it could be really anything. Absolutely. (laughs) See, this is my thing. I know, right? No, I know.
0: In the NBA or in Major League Baseball, they will literally come out and be like, So, what happened was David Dahl was taking batting practice and he had a a feeling in this part of his body. And then we thought it was his back, but then it turned out to be the third rib down on the left side. And he's going to be out exactly this amount of time. And if there's any change to that, we'll come back and tell you. (laughs) It's like, and Bud Black would get asked questions about it every single day, back to your point. So, it's just weird that in hockey, they're like, it's in the lower part. <laughs> that, it could well, literally that's, be that's anything that's from awful. like... Where <laughs> does the
3: lower body start the waist? I, I believe so. <laughs>
4: yes. Come they, on, Dr. Harrison. Dr. Harrison. They do have morning skate going on right now, basically, so we'll probably know more before tonight's
2: game, but... It could literally be anything yeah, from like a sprained like, pinky toe to he had his leg amputated. Really no idea at
1: well, all. Well, he <laughs> was partying, though. Yeah, well, he was jumping up and down. I mean, at least in that video, he is he looks OK. What I was I was saying is, you know, maybe he maybe the way I could see it is maybe he got hurt during one of those games. There was as something was off. Then he went, celebrated Halloween, had some drinks, numbed the pain. Then you're not as smart with your pain. Or you're like, oh, I yeah, we've can all do been this. There. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Way too much speculation. I love you're this. like, I can do this. There's
1: and like then he was careless. six layers to
2: this
0: conspiracy.
2: Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Get your tinfoil uh, hat out of here. here
0: Tell here. me this isn't the most likely scenario <laughs> mean, for every one careless, of us that's been to a Halloween
1: you're party. You're drinking, <laughs> and then you're like, oh, then the next morning you wake up and you're like, "Here's no. Here's how you mm-hmm.
3: flip this, though, Rudo, because this happened to the Nuggets at the beginning of last Last season, when Will Barton and Gary Harris went down, two like key contributors to the starting lineup, Denver was a good enough team, and I think the Avs are a good enough team where they can, you know, play five hundred hockey. Yes, exactly. A little bit above five hundred hockey. But what happened with the Nuggets last year is like Jamal Murray took that responsibility on his shoulders and was like, "All right, I got to be the guy right now," and he kind of established himself as that second cornerstone. So is another Avs guy going to shoulder that responsibility yeah. and step up? That's the the light that this could bring. And,
4: and that absolutely comes down to Tyson Jost and Andre Burakovsky. Burakovsky has played very, very well so far through the season, but can he take it to another gear? Can he be a top-line player? And then Tyson Jost, he's found himself as a center in the Avs lineup, but... There's a big difference between being a third line center and
0: a top six center. My guy looked lost against the Ducks, though. Am I wrong? The whole team looked lost. It was a sloppy game, but I felt like Burra in particular, I was like, man. What are you doing? That happens like, on back to back decision making. Yeah, I just felt like uh, beyond like this Don't the get s- me started on back to backs again. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was yeah. going off right has throw some down takes about
2: on the back to back. I think that's a, I think we should talk about that. Go we should. For yeah. it. All
1: right. Well, the Nuggets were also on a back to back last night True. played the Dallas Mavericks and lost. The Avs were on a back to back on Saturday against the Anaheim Ducks and they lost.
0: This is gonna
2: be the conspiracy episode, just so people
1: <laughs> yeah, know. <straight laughs> Mine wasn't really that much of a conspiracy. Everyone's been well, drunk yeah, and kind of hurt themselves. We've got conspiracies
2: up the gazoo in Denver today, Ali, <laughs> So be, be ready. ready. All right. All I'm all I was saying is that I think that the ba- the, the narrative that surrounds back to back, which essentially just excuses anything that happens in that game, is weak. And I and I think that these guys mentally um go down more than they actually physically go down and it's like if you win the front half of the back-to-back then the next game is almost just like a bonus game and everyone approaches it with a different uh, approach if you lose the first half of the back-to-back then you have like a desperation in the second half of the back-to-back i just think everyone's like oh back-to-back it just happens and i think that these guys who literally dedicate their entire lives of just being in shape to play their sports aren't actually that affected by playing it two times two times in a row
4: I mean, you can use the same argument against it, though, because they're playing against players that have done the same thing. They've spent their entire lives preparing for this. And I don't know if this was the case for the Nuggets or not, but for the Avs, the second half of the back-to-back is a travel day for them. They fly in to a team that is rested and waiting for them. And that little bit of difference is sometimes all it takes. I agree. A certain part of it is 100% a mental thing. I agree, too. But it does matter. They're they can be as fit as possible but if they're 99 percent and the other team's 100 sometimes that's enough to make the difference
3: that's fair enough i I think it's a big mental thing i think you're onto something there like the word back-to-back like that means oh you know we're gonna be really tired you feed into that but um i did a back-to-back last year myself covering games (laughs) houston miami uh, that back-to-back brutal wow i was dead tired during that Miami game, the next night. And I didn't even have to play. So um, I can only imagine what you know guys are feeling who play 30 minutes a game.
1: I can agree with that being a mental thing, especially because the Nuggets went 17-1 and one last year on back-to-backs. They had that mentality. 12-1, I think it was. No, wasn't it? 17-1? Yeah,
3: I, th- I don't think it was that many actual back-to-backs. I think it was 12-1 and one or something like
2: that.
1: I read a stat this morning that said 17-1. to one, but we'll well, okay. has <laughs> Maybe. But still, I mean, they – did so well on back to backs because they didn't let that mentality get to them. Also because,
3: because their they,
2: best player well, never exerts any energy.
3: And they have the won the best bench in the league, at least right. last year. Right. Depth I don't oh. know about this year.
0: I do think that I've always felt, especially in the NBA, like the the endurance part of it is one of the least I, I feel this way about Major League Baseball, but it's a completely different type of endurance. But it's it's the thing that the casual fan doesn't see as much. I was always super impressed when AI got traded to the Nuggets and he would come and play like 90% of the game, and you would see almost no drop-off in his production. He played every single minute of a double overtime game. I think he still holds the record for most minutes played for the Denver Nuggets. And I remember George Carl afterwards saying, I was looking for any drop-off to take him out, and it just never happened. And that's a skill that not everybody has. In fact, most guys don't. And I think, like Rudo said, you're exerting yourself – to such an extent, the it, it's weird because the direct comparison for me in baseball is not actually the number of games they play in a row; it's the number of pitches a guy throws. And there's a, a lot of like battle back and forth between, you know, should guys nobody throws a hundred or more pitches anymore. And there's all these old school guys. It's like, and and they always when they argue with me, it's like, why can't they throw more than a hundred pitches? Why can't they? And it's like they can, and dude could play more than thirty-five minutes a game, but like Rudo said, once you hit that. Pitch eighty five ninety, you start to become less effective. And so the question is, is one hundred percent of the reliever or the guy off of the bench going to be a better play for us? Since the other guys are also bringing their guys off of the bench, if they're at one hundred percent endurance and we're at eighty, no matter how good we are, well, they're professionals too.
4: Even without back to
0: backs, the hockey basketball is an eighty two game season.
4: You physically cannot give 100 percent in every single game it will destroy your body and right. you will break down physically and have to go on ir or be injured or whatever right. so even you'll see games that clearly the team just takes the night off and it's disappointing but you just have to accept that as like nobody's gonna go 82 and zero. you gotta hold it together a little bit and and win the games that matter and take your rest where you can get it.
2: And I think that's why the NBA has started with the load management stuff. It's like, okay, well, instead of, you know, having half of our players mentally taking the night off, let's just actually give them a night off, call it a schedule loss and and just move on.
3: Yeah. I mean, they're just playing the long game in that sense. Right. Like, yep. Thanks, regular Greg season Popovich. The regular season is really just one big tune-up for the playoffs. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's what I realized last year. Regular season, who cares? You know, who, who cares what happens? Just bank enough wins and get to the postseason.
1: Do you think that's how Nikola is feeling right now?
3: Oh, uh, <laughs> <my> th- <laughs> maybe. Uh, I got a lot of theories about. I what mean, he's he had a triple right
1: double now. last night, but. <sighs> he, yeah, I don't know. The Nuggets have been. A fr-
2: I love that we are winning. Complain about triple right? doubles. Wasn't a good the triple
1: Nuggets
0: double.
3: The
1: Nuggets have been though? winning, uh, like they're three and one, but they they've been ugly wins. And last yeah. night was another ugly game.
3: Yeah, I mean, when it comes to Jokic, I hate to play body language doctor, but I'm going to because <laughs> I feel like that's we can pick up stuff with that when we're around these guys enough. And he seemed like you know he was pouting last night during timeouts on the bench, even you know when he wasn't in the game everybody's standing up to be in that huddle. He's the only one sitting down at the end of the bench, you know, in that last chair in the very corner. He was kind of pouting. It just didn't seem like he was in the game. It seemed like he wanted to be anywhere but on that court last night. You know, that's that's been a thing with him over the last couple of years. We've seen that, and it just, you know, he's not over that quite yet.
1: Why was he pouting last night, though? Like what I'm, do you th- what could you speculate that it it's, was? It's
3: the million dollar question. There I think I, I think most of the times he's felt this way. A, a lot of the time he's trying to send a message. I think,
1: mm-hmm. and um,
3: my best guess is that he's not happy with how the offense looks right now. Yep. And um, I mean the starters have been fine. Denver's been winning games, like you said, they've been winning ugly. But you know the offense just hasn't been clicking. Hasn't been running uh, like I, I think he thinks it could be. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I think his frustration is coming from. And, um, yeah, I think he just was trying to, I don't know, make a point last night. But um, he was visibly frustrated, I thought, at least. That's. I think there are a lot of
4: parallels to McKinnon there. And it's interesting to see how the two players kind of react to the same situation. You have him pouting a bit on the bench and things like that whereas McKinnon in practice gets extremely frustrated and starts throwing stuff and is like actively angry about it I
2: prefer that <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah I mean both have their drawbacks I think
2: but it's just great I feel like the Nuggets never remember at the end of last season when they were just like backing their way into the playoffs and everyone was like where like what happened to that team that was just hitting on all cylinders yeah it feels like to me they never got out of that like, they, they they hit their stride a little bit in the playoffs, obviously won, won that Spurs series, but it was never pretty, and then the whole Portland series was ugly, and now we've started the season, and I still feel like they're still stuck in that, I don't even know what it is, but it feels like they've never got back to where they were at one point last season where they looked like, you know, a juggernaut.
3: It's crazy. Adam said this on the podcast last night, and I totally agree, but... The Nuggets offense, uh, we've talked about it so much, but it's so free-flowing. It's like this Democratic offense with so much ball movement and player movement. It seems like the offense has gotten worse over the last couple years, even though the talent level has increased. And I think that happens naturally sometimes because, you know, Gary Harris is a better ISO player now than he was two years ago. Same with guys like Will Barton, same with guys like Jamal Murray. But just the entire flow of the Nuggets offense – you know, it's never gotten back to that level it was in, like, 2016. Yeah. Like, the first year Jokic really came on the scene.
4: Well, in a sense, you it's self-explanatory, right? It used to be a super democratic. Now, as hierarchies start to build, it's harder yeah. to keep those, you know, everyone yeah. is equal. And that naturally happens. That right. naturally happens. Yeah. Yeah, when you have that no choice but to play as a full team offensive game compared to, well, now we can lean on our stars a little bit more. Sometimes the stars are going to go off, but when it comes back to that depth, you're not in that rhythm as a team.
3: And look, I think the Nuggets are fine. I think they're fine. They're They're three and one. one. They can play a C-minus game and still beat half the league. Uh, but if I had to pinpoint one area like where I think Jokic was frustrated last night, I think it's because the offense just isn't running as smoothly as he thinks it could be running.
1: But, I mean, we did the same thing with the Avs when they lost, and we're doing the same thing with the Nuggets. Because of their success and because of their ceiling and their potential, we can be critical on these moments. They are doing really well. They are 3-1. and one. The Avs at that point were 7-1-1, um, one and one, and yet – Everyone knows and they know that they can do so much better, which is an exciting time in Denver to be able to do that.
2: Yeah, it, Well, it's something I brought up uh, after game one when we were on the podcast, which is this we're grading them against themselves yeah. Yeah. now and what we think they can be, which is um, different from normal because now we, we have these aspirations for both teams, which is pretty awesome. much compete for a championship. And that's great. But because of that, it makes us – It forces us to be hypercritical and say, well, we know that if the Nuggets are going to win a championship, they have to get to that full, you know, running like a machine level offense. And until we see it, it's going to cause us concern because we're not thinking of this one game in a vacuum. We're thinking of the the larger sample.
3: And and I mean, last night, it, it wasn't really the offense like 100%. The defense was the reason why they lost last night. But when it comes to Jokic... How he plays on the offensive end definitely impacts the effort he's going to give out defensively. And if he's not feeling the way Denver's playing on offense, you know he's not going to be totally there on the defensive end of the floor, which I think is what we saw last night with you know, the starters uh, okay, but the bench especially was terrible defensively.
4: So despite the terrible bench defense— does MPJ help yep. if you put MPJ in the lineup? Does that get the offense to where
3: Jokic wants it?
1: That's the question all fans are wondering yeah, right now. Yeah,
3: that's, that's the million-dollar question, right, or another one of those. Um, my Markets thing- are getting expensive. <laughs> <laughs> With MPJ, I think he should be playing right now at least a little bit. I think Denver's making a mistake by not playing him. And uh, would he help the offense? And, and I don't know. Play with Jokic and, and make that flow better. I think he would because he's like a player that fits perfectly in Denver's system. He should be a great cutter. Like he's got a really high basketball IQ. I think knows how to move within the offense. So so tall that Jokic can hit him on like every angle on cuts to the basket. So I think he definitely help you know that movement with the offense, or he could. But defensively, I don't know how much he's going to help there. And that was the problem last night, and that's why he's not playing right now. Uh, it, if I had to guess what Michael Malone is thinking, Porter's not playing right now because he's behind defensively.
2: It, Makes sense. There were so many easy baskets in that. What was a 12-4 run that kind of flipped the game on mm-hmm. its head. Yeah, that was frustrating to watch. So that that is one thing. But since we're having conspiracies today, I'm going to decide <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> Jokic is protesting that MPJ isn't <laughs> playing. That's why he's upset.
1: But with but with that, before before last night, their defense, Jamal Murray said their defense was their anchor. Yeah. And offensively, they were still playing sloppy. So I I understood Malone starting the season with we're gonna go with our guys, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with those guys. But why not that second or third game put MPJ in for a little bit to see if he could spark some more offense? And but of course, yesterday it was more of a defense, so it's understandable to not for energy spark some energy. Exactly, yeah. I,
3: I can see where Michael Malone's coming from, though. Like he is a defensive guy at his core. He, he, you know, any coach. All right, I want to get out to a great start at the beginning of the season. Let's establish ourselves as a, def- as a defensive team. You know, we can do that with Tory Craig. He's helped us do that in the past. How
4: how many coaches in any league are offensive coaches right. Right. coaches? <laughs> right. Right. even Mike D'Antoni. Yeah. I bet
3: on needy Day, He's like, we're going to be a defensive first team. That's how we're going to (laughs) win.
2: Defense and rebounding.
3: But I I can see where Malone's coming from because he wants to establish that out of the gate. And last year, Denver went from a bottom 10 defense to a top 10 defense. And that was a huge reason why they won 54 games. So I I get where Malone's coming from, uh, from that perspective. Um, But I I think Porter, especially on the second night of a back-to-back, should have gotten in there uh, for at least a couple minutes just to see what he could do.
2: It's kind of uh, what we've been saying you know, every single day on the DNVR Broncos podcast about Drew Locke. It's a different situation, but it's the same idea of he's going to have to learn at some point why not do it now. Like For the Broncos, it's why not do it now because they're completely out of the race. For the Nuggets, it's why not do it now because the games are never going to be as... I don't know if the word is meaningless, but they only get bigger as the season goes on,
3: right? And here's another thing from Malone's perspective: like he wants to get out to this really good start, and Denver will, I think, regardless of who they play, because their schedule over these mm-hmm. first couple weeks is just really easy. Um, but I think this is a great time to get Porter into this thing because Denver is has such a high floor, and I was talking about this when I was speaking about the Avs injuries, but they have such a high floor where they can play like a C minus game and still win. Like, at the beginning of the season, this is when you can afford to experiment with some things. And uh, Michael Mullen talked about this at Media Day. They're not prepping for an 82-game season. They're prepping for a 110-game season. And so you want to get Porter into this thing just to see what he can do, You know, to, to know if he can help you out long-term. And I think at the beginning of the season, during an easy time in the schedule, is a good period to do that in.
1: Do you think he was just going until they failed and then they lost a game, so now it's kind of like, okay, well, we lost, let's readjust? I
3: I think that's what it does take, ultimately, with the Nuggets. We've seen that over the last couple years. They're going to roll with their guys as long as they're winning, no matter how ugly it is. They're (laughs) going to roll with those guys before they make any changes. I don't think one loss is enough to change things. I I think Mm -hmm. they're going to stick with this same thing. I don't expect Porter to be in the regular rotation against New Orleans or maybe even Orlando, these next two road games here coming up. I think it would probably take them dropping those two uh, to to get some changes. Well, let's hope that doesn't happen. I yeah. mean, if I they're... don't think that will happen. I mean, they should win <laughs> both those games, even with this current ten man group. But then, I feel so. like
1: even. But then fans are like, well, obviously they want them to win, but they also want to see Michael Porter Jr. So it's such a hard position to be in as a fan. You obviously want your team to win and not lose, so that you could see MPJ. But you want to see hey, MVJ. Look,
4: if the Nuggets don't want to play him, the Avs suddenly need bodies. And <laughs> yeah, right. Their power play <laughs> does six, need someone. Yeah, oh, they
3: need someone who cuts to the hole on their power play. So. I, I will say, though, for fans wanting to see him right now, mm-hmm. it's a long season. Yeah. 82 games is a long time. There's going to be injuries. Even if he's not inserted into the rotation, you know, when Denver's fully healthy, there will be an injury, I guarantee you, at some point that, you know, makes him, you know, that, that vaults him into the rotation i would say
1: all right well let's take a break before we talk about the good old broncos um i gotta tell you guys about total bev's incredible 30 percent off deal that they are giving specifically to the dnvr family 30 percent off your purchase of 75 dollars or more using the code dnvr 2019 online or on their total beverage app they've got Everything you could imagine, everything you're looking for, including C B D products. And if you get overwhelmed, don't worry. Their incredible staff members will help you find exactly what you want, or their app is really easy to navigate. Don't forget to use the promo code DNVR2019 for that thirty percent off. Um Harrison, you called it at the beginning of the season. Are you full in on tank mode now for the Broncos?
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. a second game in, you're like, tank, How is this yeah, tank. two, two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> right? right. Ryan, how do you feel about it?
2: Well, this is what I like to call the unintentional tank. <laughs> uh, it's a bit more embarrassing Oops. but yeah. it does the same job. Uh, if they weren't tanking with Joe Flacco, they don't have the option now. they're they're rolling Brandon Allen out there and uh, the football gods are just like doing the Broncos a solid and saying like, oh no honey, like you are tanking. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. No. Um, so th- that's where we're at. Funny enough is the Browns are really bad. They are super poorly coached. They're super undisciplined. They have no offensive line. And I truly think the Broncos could accidentally trip their way into a win this week. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> but for all intents and purposes, they are tanking now, whether they like it or not. And it's uh, it's unfortunate they weren't able to get anything done for some of these veterans in terms of a mm-hmm. trade because you'd like to see them start stacking up on on draft capital. but i guess they didn't get the offer they were looking for in the end you know chris harris jr is probably going to net them a compensatory pick in two years anyway so you get chris for the rest of the year and some of these other guys which i think from a fan perspective some are probably happy about that but yeah this is the old uh, unintentional tank
1: um for anyone or everyone who doesn't know who brendan allen is can you just (laughs) right well well, first of all it's brandon
2: (laughs) You're just like... Let's about, start with go. that. Let's I'm start like with that.
1: I'm like a specific media member called Brad Allen. I was just going <laughs> to say, close <Mike laughs> called him
2: Brad Allen. So if it starts with a B, we're going to let you get away with it. Um, Big Bob Allen fan I am. Big. I, Brandon
1: um, Allen. Who sure. is he?
2: Brandon Allen. He is a quarterback. <laughs> okay. He wears number two. He kind of looks like Paxton Lynch a lot.
1: He really uh, looks just, like just Paxton Just in terms Lynch. of
2: his facial features oh. uh, and haircut and beard. Um... <laughs> He went to Arkansas. He had a pretty decent career there. He has been in the NFL for four years now, just kind of bouncing around being a journeyman. And his preseason stats are very, very, very <laughs> underwhelming as he's thrown six touchdowns to 11 interceptions. He's
1: nailed it. Oh, wow. I
4: read he's never taken a a snap in a regular season
2: That is correct. Okay. First NFL start. I wonder if there's uh, ever been a team in, and technically Joe Flacco is still on the roster, so it doesn't really matter, but ever been a team in week nine or later that had a roster of quarterbacks that had never taken a snap because their backup this week, Brett Rippon, is an undrafted rookie who also has never taken a snap in an NFL game.
1: And neither has their third backup, Drew Locke.
2: And Drew isn't. Active anyway. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah, the whole Ross, once they put, once they come to their senses and put Joe Flacco on IR, um, they will have zero snaps as a, as a quarterback room. Andre, you want to add anything to my, uh, Brandon Allen assessment? Read the film room. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He has a film room. Andre did, Andre gave you the essential, if you want to know who Brandon Allen is, article. And it's free. So if you aren't a DNVR subscriber, which you should be, um, you can read that one and get an idea of how in depth we go where we tell you everything you could possibly know about Brandon Allen.
0: And backup quarterback is the best job in the world right up until the moment this happens. <laughs> it's just the greatest. And then you're looking for a new job next year. Right. 4 years of being in the NFL, getting your paycheck, showing up to practice and then sitting on the bench every Sunday <laughs> or Monday. Just nice cozy gig. Yeah. And then this happens and it's the it's scariest moment of your entire you, life. And I and would have, you have to imagine. And then
2: you have to go stand behind Garrett Bowles as Miles Garrett
0: oh is trying to run
1: by him. Oh, just <laughs> since since Welcome this the is NFL. a conspiracy podcast. Oh boy, Ryan, yes. why don't you tell us what you think of Joe Flacco's injury after huh. his criticism over the offense? and everything that's going on right now in good old dove valley
2: i would absolutely positively love to believe that the uh the mile high mafia put a hit out on joe flacco for running his mouth unfortunately he's pretty severely injured uh his he has a herniated disc in his neck that is real after the game uh May says that he couldn't even really move, like, he couldn't really move his neck at all.
1: Well, during the game, he was getting his neck looked at and, like, chiropractic work on the sideline. That was
2: such a weird game. It it
1: was so weird.
2: (laughs) So, yeah, he was getting chiropractic work on the sideline. Then after the game, he was, you know, he could hardly move. And anyone who's ever hurt themselves in here in that type of way knows that if it hurts right after it happens, the amount it hurts the day after is going to be, like, ten times that. So, yeah, he's definitely injured. Um, as for Drew Locke, I just think, you know, I, I, I've come to terms with this, this morning that before the season, they said, no matter what does not matter what happens. We are not playing Drew Locke until week 13 against the Chargers. That is the earliest we will ever play him no matter what. And so despite everything pointing to the fact that they should have started practicing him two weeks ago and they should, he should be starting this game this weekend. I think they just... They, you know, tried to really set a plan and so on and said, we are not going to go away from this because of fan pressure. We're not going to do it because of injuries. No matter what, Drew, the earliest he can go is week 13 against the Chargers at home. And, and uh, there's something to be said for, hey, don't break the plan. There's another thing to be said for, like, come on, like, at least get him out there to practice. You know, mm-hmm. that's what we've been saying is, like, I get that they don't want to play him as the backup quarterback this week because he hasn't practiced all season. You put him in there, Brandon Allen sprains his ankle on the first play of the game. All of a sudden, Drew Locke is your starting quarterback with no preparation. But there's no reason to not be practicing him. So, Mm. in hockey, they don't have to tell you what the injury
4: is. But in football, they don't have to tell you when the players are actually
2: healthy. Is that the deal? Well, no, because (laughs) Drew Locke is healthy. I mean, Drew Locke has been healthy for a while. Um he said yesterday, I feel great. I feel healthy. Whenever they're ready, I'm ready. He also said yesterday that he's been 100% med- medically cleared for two weeks. And it could even go back further than that. Then, of course, John Elway says today he's just not physically ready yet. So, Is he
3: just in terrible shape or something? Like, is he fat? Did he put on, like, 30 <laughs> pounds during this rehab?
2: I mean, even if that was the case, wouldn't he get back into shape by practicing? By practicing. <laughs> yeah. 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 And uh, what's the harm in
3: throwing on some shoulder pads and letting some mm. balls rip? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: How um, about
0: the conspiracy that John Elway just doesn't want any quarterback for the Broncos to be better than him?
2: Well, he <laughs> went on. and got Peyton like Manning, that. so that yeah. would go against that. But maybe Peyton Manning like but, threatened but, his legacy just enough. I was going
0: there's no but no no no. There's no way Peyton Manning was ever gonna be a greater Denver Bronco right. quarterback than John Elway. He only had tech, a couple of they, years they left. They should
2: have won three Super Bowls, so he, Oops, he could have. Oops, he <laughs> could have unseated him. But no, John Elway is way too competitive to do anything but like w- try and help the Broncos win. In all seriousness, and that's why we're
4: accidentally tanking now.
2: Yes, <laughs> that's why it's an accidental. Tank <laughs> You're right, and not, and not, not a purposeful, purposeful
0: one. Yeah, exactly.
2: So or maybe it's just a really tactical, purposeful tank to make was, us think it's an accidental tank.
0: I watched the second half of that game, and I'm I'm just here to ask for an apology. What even... The, no, I mean, that was one <laughs> of... That penalty at the end, too. Like, you can only say so much about Vaughn not getting the safety. Like, he's great. He is what he is. That guy wriggled out of the way.
2: But, and the dude's hand warmer came off. Like, he grabbed onto his hand warmer, and it just ripped off.
0: Right. Just crazy play that... that, that could have been the game right there but that was one of the dumbest penalties I've ever seen in my entire life like the guy's all he's running out of he's given himself up he's out of bounds he didn't have to touch him i mean usually you push the guy out to make sure he doesn't make a cut there there was no chance of him coming back that you're you're taking victory from the jaws of defeat no the other way around <laughs>
2: defeat yeah defeat yeah. from the jaws of, that yeah, was a I mean, defeat
0: from the jaws of victory moment you just hand him the football game right
2: there yeah that's a tough one to swallow um but it's also a play that usually coaches don't mind that you know they call it like a heat of the moment penalty or whatever like it's not a pre-snap it's not because he was you know jawing after the play or punching someone like he was just trying to get the guy down and he just did it in an illegal way unfortunately
4: have the broncos Brutal. scored more than 20 points what once this season
2: once this season they have uh, gone now 17 games so more than a full season of football without scoring more than 24 points and over half of the almost half of the nfl averages 24 points a game so that's where we're at and that's that's that courtesy of my guy zach By.
1: and they've also lost now three games this season by two yeah. points
2: on
0: a
1: last-second field points.
2: goal, right? That's On a drive that was aided by yeah. a 15-yard Some, penalty. Something
0: stupid, yeah.
1: Very frustrating team right now.
2: Yeah, and and someone in the press room yesterday said, uh, you know, jokingly, how will the Brandon Allen era be remembered? <laughs> and I said, well, it'll be remembered by the draft pick they end up getting. You know, and, and if they go and lose, you know, a couple straight here, then Drew Locke comes in, they win a couple more, they're probably still going to have uh, a top-10 pick locked in. The goal of the rest of the season has to be to just get a general idea of Drew Locke. And so I, I do feel like he will start that week 13 game against the Chargers. If he doesn't tune into the DNVR Broncos podcast, uh, it's gonna be we will lose crazy. our collective minds together. But um, if, if he gets in there, you just want to know, do we need to select yeah. a quarterback with our top five pick or can we build with this guy and, you know, probably the best player in college football right now is chase young at ohio state like if drew Locke shows you that he can be the guy there's a chance that you could you could end up with you know chase young because so many teams are quarterback needy so you need to find out otherwise you have you have to take a quarterback like you're never going to get this thing right until you have your quarterback i'm pretty confident in drew lock uh, i like his mental makeup i like the way he plays he's not a finished product by any means but you just have to – and you're not going to know everything about him. But you you, get a, you can have a feeling if you watch a guy start four games in the NFL, is this guy going to cut it or is he not?
1: Michael Porter Jr. and uh, Drew Locke went to Missouri. I think – were they there? The Both are true
2: sons, as they call them in mm-hmm. Columbia. From, from Missouri, played at Missouri, went to high yep. school in Missouri.
1: Fun little fact. Um, Ryan, you wrote a great article. You did your homework over the weekend watching college football. If the Broncos were to draft a quarterback – Who do you think they would draft based on the prospects right now? And do you think it's something about changing the offensive scheme?
2: That's my biggest problem with this whole scenario is the way that, you know, I I keep using this example and and people are probably making fun of me of it because everyone knows I love these two guys. But Cliff Kingsbury goes into Arizona, puts in the air raid offense, drafts Kyler Murray makes it makes life super easy on him and the Cardinals aren't great but they have more wins than the Broncos and they're averaging 24 points a game which is a respectable number for an offense and that's just because they they took a quarterback out of college and gave him a very easy offense to execute it's the same offense that he ran when he was in college the Broncos one of the Broncos big problems in my opinion is that they're taking these guys out of college who almost all are coming out of spread systems and trying to stick them In, you know, the West Coast system that John Elway ran so well when he was a player, but is, is outdated. And and you are seeing, you know, uh, Sean McVay and Kyle Kyle Shanahan have success with the West Coast offense. But my take on this is when it is run perfectly or close to it, it's one of the best offenses in, in football that's possible to run but it is very 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 hard to get the right personnel to get the right quarterback to get the right offensive line and get the right play caller to get all of those things going on all cylinders. I just think the Broncos if they're going to take a quarterback in the first round like why would you make purposefully make his life harder on him by making him you know learn something that he's never done in his life. If you're going to take Justin Herbert that's fine. He then put him in the offense that he can succeed most in but unfortunately John Elway is very married to this offense, and that's the whole reason why they went and got Rich Gangarello to be this offensive coordinator. Like, they want to run this, and I think that is crazy in the long term just because of uh, your guess. It's just a guessing game. Which guy could possibly run this offense the best rather than what Arizona did, which was okay, we're bringing in Cliff Kingsbury. His offense caters to this player. We know that Kyler Murray runs the hell out of this offense. He just won the Heisman. Just put him in this offense and let him go.
3: That makes sense to me. I mean, the best teams and best organizations shape their entire philosophies around their key players. Yep.
0: The Broncos went to the playoffs and won a game against the Pittsburgh Steelers with Tim Tebow as quarterback. I watched him do it. <laughs> it was super fun and they threw out 75 to 80% of the playbook mm-hmm. because that's what you should do. Like It's like a, a Major League Baseball team that doesn't have the personnel being like, well, everyone's hitting home runs now, so we should all try to hit home runs. If you don't have any home run hitters or people in the NBA going like, we should all shoot threes because everyone shoots threes now. It's like, well, our best players are interior players let's get the ball in the paint so yeah you always have to play to the strategy that your personnel makes the most sense to do during this uh, like launch angle revolution and all of that just at the beginning of it the kansas city royals won a world series off of singles and stealing bases and 2-1 games and and bullpens which is like bunts. yes all the things you cannot count on in baseball all the things they tell you not to do like rely on your bullpen bunt steel bases all that crap like don't It'd shift be like ever. the nuggets
3: running the houston rockets offense with just jamal murray like going pick and roll every time like that right would not work you know long term
0: right that would be really stupid
1: <laughs> i i agree i mean basing off of my own experiences nick Foles and carson wentz are very different quarterbacks and when the eagles were in the playoffs they completely changed their offense to fit completely nick Foles, and they went and won a super bowl and he won um super bowl mvp so you you got to do that you got to fit your guy
2: yeah and and that's again that's what i wrote about after the game it was just like this is silly to just keep trying to make this happen but john elway has been very um steadfast on this and he also has said like we need continuity so everyone who thinks that like rich gangrel is gonna get fired after this year i really don't think that's gonna happen. I think the goal is to have Rich Gangarello stay here long enough to the point where they, you know, hopefully in their minds could get to the point where Kyle Shanahan is now. Cause look, that's you know, that's the model and that and that's why they went and got a guy from Kyle Shanahan's offense in Rich Gangarello to come run this. It's like it took Kyle Shanahan four years to get that thing going. Now they scored fifty points last week. So the the offense can work. I just think it's silly to be trying to go against what college is doing where you're seeing so many to to add to that you're seeing Matt Moore in Kansas City execute that offense at a high level because it's quarterback friendly you saw Teddy Bridgewater come in for the Saints and go undefeated because that those offenses make life easy on the quarterbacks rather than making it tougher on them.
1: Well the Broncos do play the Browns at home on Sunday and we're not sure how that game's gonna go but the tailgate beforehand is gonna be a blast so be sure to stop by law n for our partner tailgate with sons of mile high there's a lot of great food great beer and just you get to talk to all of us about all this denver sports so be sure to stop by um First, whatever team puts a smile on your face is what matters because your smile and your teeth are important. And guess what? Our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush. When you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, it's seriously that easy. All you got to do is take care of your teeth. Check them out today online or call them at 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment. And by the end of it, you could get a free Sonicare toothbrush. Now on to our favorite segment of the show. Looking back at last week, can we all guess who won? (laughs) Oh, but while we did two, two abs... Yeah. What? Two abs, two nuggets. (laughs) We switched things up since there was uh, uh, Ryan gave his argument for the Nuggets as well, and then Rudo and AJ gave separate arguments for the abs. So we split it up a little bit, but of course the abs still won. It was Rudo
2: who won. Jared
1: Bednar for getting the abs off to their best start in abs history won by thirty nine percent. After that. We had Avalanche coltending for being elite. Then Nikola Jokic because he's going to win MVP. And so your argument beat Brendan's. Yes. <laughs> Brendan's was the Nuggets for starting one of the most anticipa- anticipated seasons in franchise history. What do you think of that one, Harrison?
3: I think it is the most anticipated season in
2: franchise history for sure. It's why we're being so critical of them right. at 3-1. and That's very true. Well,
1: yep. All right. Well, let me play my favorite song did the
2: most and who did the least who was the dog and who was the beast who's in the boat and who's up a creek let's see who in the week
1: all right who are we who wants to start this week <laughs> Look at Drew's Drew's face. <laughs> like what am i talking She's about it's like why am i here yeah, <laughs> one, uh, I got this a weird is the one. segment where i leave yeah right i, I could just
0: walk out <laughs> <don't> we, <laughs>
2: we
1: Let's, Send it. Let, no, let's start with Rudo. We'll give Drew we'll give Do, I, do I get to... a
2: winner's bonus?
1: Oh, yeah. What were we trying to do last time? You just
2: time? get 30 seconds to talk about whatever you
4: want. Oh,
1: yeah. Whatever all you right. want to talk about.
4: Uh, shout out to all the non-North American Avs fans. We had a New Zealand guy talk to us on the DNVR.com the other day. I saw on Reddit a guy from Australia bought the Finisher Miko shirt and those guys are just incredible out there i mean they watch every single game at like 4 in the morning and that takes some real dedication to be a fan of the avs and and live like that i props to them that's all i got i nice. want
1: to i agree with all of our um out of out of the country subscribers i mean we have a bunch of broncos fans who do that a bunch of nuggets fans oh, yeah. were up late for that 8 p m um season opener they're they're all just diehards and that's why that's why we love you guys all right i'm um,
4: ready whenever go all right i was gonna do one thing but i'm oh changing you also it have up. 30 seconds yeah go. yeah yeah <laughs> uh nathan mckinnon won the week because he's on an 11 game point streak the longest streak to start a season of any av ever so despite him not playing his a game as we've talked about so much he's still setting records and that's what the Avs need that streak needs to become 15 games to get the abs through with all these injuries that just went down. And McKinnon is absolutely capable of that. So let's see it now.
1: Oh, Andre,
0: (laughs) you texted me
1: and it got in the way of the horn.
4: Brutal coming through with the assist.
1: Yeah, that was an assist. Um, all right, Ryan, I, I guess you can say why the Broncos won the week. Do you have one for the Broncos? I, I was going to say, you could do Buffs, Rams. Oh, you could give the Rams. The tank
0: is back you on. You could give the Rams <laughs> a shout out. Oh, baby.
1: A shout out to the Rams. Obviously, w- oh, a yeah. lot of us here are Buffs fans because we went to see you. But the Rams upset. Uh- yeah,
2: that's how big it was. <laughs> that's how big that upset was. Fresno State. Fresno, State. <laughs> <There we laughs> Fresno State Bulldogs.
1: There we go. Um, 41-31. That was huge for the Rams. So you got to give them a shout out. The Buffs are on a three-game losing streak, and it's pretty sad. So
2: Yeah, but at least they played well. With Montez getting hurt, we now have
1: nothing but backup quarterbacks. I mean, I know Montez. Montez, Montez is, is going to play. Yeah. Oh, He's a warrior. Come on. <laughs> All right, Ryan. Why did the Broncos win the week?
2: All right, Brandon Allen won the week. Sure. Um, <laughs> despite the fact that nobody in the world is talking about him uh, and no one's really that interested in talking about him, this is a dude who's been in the NFL for four years, has never had a chance to show what he's got on an NFL stage. He has a chance now. Who knows? You know, Maybe he goes out there and falls flat on his face, but maybe he's the next Kyle Allen who's out there in Carolina oh, you know, wow. strutting his stuff and, and maybe becoming a starting quarterback in this league. So Brandon Allen spent his whole life waiting for this moment and he's going to get it.
0: Maybe he's the next Marcus Allen. Maybe <laughs>
2: maybe, maybe, maybe he's the next Woody Allen.
0: Yeah.
2: Glad I didn't go with
0: my original be, idea, because it was the same thing. As <laughs> the oh, next, oh. Tim uh, I the be, next Tim <laughs> Allen? The next Tim Allen. It could be the next Tim Allen.
1: What were you saying, <laughs>
4: I'm Glad I didn't go with my original idea, because I was going to go in the same vein of Vlad Kamenev finally getting in the mm. lineup for the
1: abs.
2: Oh. So We have two different ones to talk about. And Nathan's 1st sure going to win out of those two. I have, right? to, <laughs> I have to add a little bit. There are no expectations for this kid. Like he's not no, really he's not going up against he can just go cut it loose and be exactly the player that he is. And I actually have a weird feeling that he's going to play pretty well.
1: All right. Harrison, why did the Nuggets win the week?
2: The Nuggets won the week and
3: I kind of said this earlier but they have not been playing great basketball. They're 3 and 1. The offense has been up and down. The defense has been pretty good for these first three games was terrible last night. But they're still three and one and proving that they can put a pretty average product out on the floor and still win games against a lot of teams in the league so they'll round into form but you know they prove that they can rack up wins and uh pile up w's by not even playing their best basketball and you know that's big for a team at the beginning of the season that's still ironing out some kinks
1: I like that I get to use my buzzer so much
2: now. <laughs> um, All right. Next week, she's gonna be like, "All right, you have five seconds." Right. Go.
1: <laughs>
4: the
2: abs All won right, the. Week. That would be pretty That's
1: entertaining. Ten, ten seconds. <laughs> All right, Drew, you can you can choose some baseball. I got yeah no
0: I got it All I got right. a good one. All right, go. Okay, so fans of transparency in sports won the week. The World Series is happening right now, and the umpiring has been so abhorrent that people are talking about the electronic strike zone in earnest. They're talking about all of the instant replay stuff, some of the stupid rules, like with the baseline thing that happened last night. It's got people upset even the way Dave Martinez has had to act like they've been really good, even though we know they haven't because, you know, we fear retribution when we criticize umpires. So I think there's real reforms coming for Major League Baseball, which is been the stingiest about all this stuff. So if you're a fan of transparency in sports, you won the week.
2: Yeah. Allie gave you about 12 extra you, seconds.
0: Yeah, no, I felt I like she I liked the argument six. so much, She's she like, forgot look, about man. the timer. I gave you
1: six extra seconds. Okay, it, as
4: exact as accurate as balls and strikes. Exactly. exactly. There <laughs> we go. I was just
1: proving. There's a, a, a grace point. period. Yeah. There's a yeah. <laughs> all right. transparency
0: <laughs> you were right. I mean, it's good to know these things.
1: Okay, so I got to read a comment. Bumpy Buffalo commented, haven't commented on this pod yet, so figured I should start as the Broncos pod took what seemed like an eternity off of after the game. So I listened to these, and I have to say a great job, everyone. More and everyone more and better comments to come rk ask mason zach about the jano wildcat i would like your opinion go rockies uh, i mean rock up <laughs> go rockies i mean broncos i mean go dnvr
2: awesome Thanks. jano wildcat jano Wildcat. I'm so in oh that might actually be more successful than a brandon allen offense <laughs> even though i just said he's gonna be successful.
1: <laughs> all right well oh i gotta i gotta i didn't do this last week we are doing an in-house um uh, competition to see who gets the most subscribers and these guys all have their own pods where they get to plug their code all the time and i don't so we're team Ally. Lindsay's on team alley there's a few of you on twitter if you want to sign up and get a free shirt use my code Ally at checkout
2: you should tell them how to spell your name since A-L-L-I-E. there's like 70 different I-E. ways that's good <laughs> yeah, so that yeah that's
1: helpful good. a-l-l-i-e But um, that's all we've got for you this week. We will see you all next week.